0: Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Didn't need to revisit 9-11 again.
1: I mean... It's
2: like, oh my God.
1: I know, but it's also so... Yes, yes. Okay.
2: <laughs> you know what I did want to revisit? What? Julian Benzavalli!
1: <laughs> Patrick Hines! ba da
2: Oh my God, it's been a minute since I've done the garbage bell. Oh,
1: there she is. You got her? Yeah. Where did you girl. just pull her out from? For out
2: from under a piece of paper. I have like a list of, of pages of notes of things Steve wants us to do today. Right? So, we did
1: it all, Steve. I know. But it looked like you pulled, like you had a little compartment <gasps> under the table. <gasps> she should have her own <laughs> fancy like home. Little, my girl. Like with a little plush mini pillow or something.
2: Fam, quick favor if you're feeling like it, if you want more Jillian and me, and who could blame you, oh, as boy. I used to say, <laughs> pre pandemic days, join us on the Patreon. Over 400 ad free, full bonus episodes to download a binge. You get a full ad-free bonus episode every week. Every Friday, we get you.
1: So you get two of us a week. Yeah, and now we're doing these bonuses. Oh my God, three of us a week. Yikes.
2: You need no other podcast, just us. Us and Pod Save America, that's it. sure,
1: whatever.
2: (laughs) Um, What are we talking about today? All
1: right, this is our, you know, our bonus episodes. We are doing the mystery at Empire Lake, and Keith Morrison is our host.
2: It's been the
3: story of their lives.
0: We cannot sit here in silence and watch another travesty of justice take place.
3: It's about their world, the one that fell apart in a time they can't recall. Do you remember very much about your mom anymore?
0: Not really. It's
3: been a long time. It's about what happened on a September day the rest of the world can't forget. Is there a corner of your brain that thinks maybe it was somebody else? Not at all. Not at all. 14 years, three trials, Moments of sheer agony.
4: Takes your breath away. You know, it's uh, like getting stabbed
2: in the stomach. So, it's September 2001. Like holy shit. I know. I mean, this is so wild. This is this is a case that happens literally on September 11th. Yeah. And like there's the other case whenever people ask me a Q&A is what like case Sneha. I'm obsessed with. It's yeah. the Sneha Philip. She was the doctor who lived across from the World Trade Center and right. like it went missing on September 10th. It's so wild to hear. I've never heard of another sort of mystery that happened on September 11th
1: like this. And it's so wild. It's just like, you know, like babies are born and and accidents happen. Like other things were happening. Mm-hmm the world too which is completely normal it's just like
2: it's also like this takes place three hours from New York City I know. and they barely reference 9 11 at all or
1: what it was like for them I, I know mean, it was but odd
2: I, it was I mean we lived here for that so yeah. like obviously we were right on top of it it, it yeah. was a window into like what it was like in other places where like right. it was happening but it wasn't like maybe the primary focus for everybody right 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 the way it was for us so we learn about the Harris family we we meet the four children and at the time they were seven six four and too. This is about uh, their mother going missing.
1: The first thing I thought of, like, how hard that those ages. I
2: know, and like the the youngest set, like some of the older kids have some memory of their mom, but like the youngest is like, I don't, I have no memories of her at all. Yeah, I'm trying to like Daisy's nine and a half now. I'm trying to remember like when she was seven. I I, I guess she would maybe have maybe little memories of me if yeah, I, I, I would were gone. Think so
1: seven years old.
2: I know, but but uh, yeah, I mean, and, and and like the oldest one says like they do have some memories of the mother, but like yeah. it's just so. So fucking sad.
1: And now they have like this huge house. It's on a lake. It looks like a movie. Just like tons of property. We're gonna
2: learn it's two hundred acres, and they have a private lake in the background. In the backyard. This family,
1: they are super, super rich. Which
2: is so wild
3: because we learned, like, even Keith says, a unique and special place that only a prosperous person could afford, like the prominent car dealer Cal Harris.
2: Cal, it's described as a prominent car dealer. Yeah. How much money are you making as a car dealer? I guess
1: a lot. I mean, based on that house but and like that property. like a lot, a lot.
2: Like, yeah, this like isn't a lot. like a guy doing well. This is like a fucking rich yeah, guy. Yeah,
1: rich guy. Now, his name is Calvin Harris. Yeah. Uh, this is not the Calvin Harris who dated Taylor Swift and co-wrote that Rihanna song with her. Oh. <laughs> Wait,
2: uh, she wrote a Rihanna song? This is
1: what you came for? Tom, can we hear some of it?
2: Oh my God, Taylor Swift, why did she give it to Rihanna? Because
1: she's great.
2: She like, just did it like for Rihanna.
1: Yeah, she was, uh, Calvin Harris is like this producer and he was working with Rihanna and, and Taylor Swift like wrote this demo and then they wrote it together. Anyway, you're going to hear the name Calvin Harris oh my God, a lot. that's so funny. It's not the Swedish producer, Calvin Harris. What
2: if it was like the bad guy in the episode His name was River Phoenix, but not, like, that, but River not River. that
1: one? But not that one. Remember when we had like Richard Rogers? But not that Richard Rogers. Oh my God, Yeah. So, yeah. But the family was like really
2: outdoorsy. They loved to hunt, fish, and jet ski on the lake. Like they're really using their property. Yeah. You know?
1: Great. And if you have it. Like, yeah. why do you have it if you're not going to use it? I, yeah, you know I but, like they, it looks
2: like they live in total isolation.
1: Yeah, it looks a little bit like Camp Crystal Lake. It looks one very, mil- like...
2: That's the Friday the 13th camp, in yeah, case you yeah, didn't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm like,
1: that place is beautiful. but oh my God. Um, Yeah, yeah. Just- <laughs> like, spooky and beautiful. But it, it is. It's just like they're on a lake, and they have... It feels like you go to, like, an estate or, like, a yeah. compound. Keith or like,
2: even says to the kids at one point, like, Christmas here must be amazing. Right.
1: It feels like a vacation house, yeah. but it's where they live all the time. Exactly. So, Cal Harris wakes up one day... The morning of
3: September 12th. But he woke up one morning almost 14 years ago to find that his wife, Michelle, wasn't home. She'd gone to work the evening before, didn't come back. Mary Harris is Cal's aunt.
4: He didn't know where she was and didn't was know what had happened.
3: Woke up and she wasn't
1: there. She went to work the night before and she never came back. Now, right away, we meet Mary Harris,
2: who's Cal's aunt, and she's like, "I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. He didn't go out looking for her in the search party. I know that looks really weird, but I swear to God, I can explain it. Yeah, like before she says hello, before she tests her level, she's like, "I know, I know, I know, I know, know. know we are going to ask. I know know it's it's weird. I know it's weird that he wasn't. I've been doing this for years. I know (laughs) know exactly. Keith, are we ready to go? What are we? speeding?
1: Let's go. I got shit to say. It's not a good look when, right away, you're on the defensive. Right." You know what I mean? But let me say something. On the other hand, Michelle has great fucking friends. Yeah, Because yes. she, they just kept calling her and calling her and calling her. And
2: they are pissed. And it's like you if I was missing.
1: It's like, girl, where the fuck are but you? But it's also September 12th. hmm So, but I mean, her friends are, yeah, where the hell are you? You need to call me. Yes. It's so freaking possible. Yes, yes. I am worried to death about you. I mean, these friends of hers really were completely just on the job. But,
2: like, my first note here is, okay, wait a second. She's gone... No one can find her. And the assumption isn't that something happened to her. The assumption is she's gone on purpose and intentionally not calling her friends. I
1: think the date matters a lot. Yeah, I think people yes, were yes. asking a lot of questions. Everything was terrifying. We didn't know what You're else right. was going to happen. You
2: know, and Dateline does not put that into context. They, no. they don't. I mean, it's like, did she drive into the city? You know what I to mean? Help, like, or, or was yeah. there
1: another attack and we don't know about uh-huh, it yet? Like, uh-huh. Or was there a different kind of like gas? We didn't know what the fuck was going Going on. Yeah,
2: and the family, they say, lives in Owego, New York. I googled it. It's three and a half hours from New York I City. I googled it,
1: too. I have three and a half to four hours, depending yeah. on traffic. Depending on <laughs> tra- Thanks,
2: traffic. Google. We learned, too, that, like, all—and this happened everywhere. All of law enforcement had been sent to the city. And first responders. And first responders. So, like, they say there was just a skeleton crew left. Like, there's—if something bad happened to you on September 11th or 12th, and you lived anywhere near New York City, D.C. or Shanksville, Pennsylvania, like, you weren't going to get a lot of help.
1: Right. And so, the cops get the call on September 12th. Yeah. Because, again, like, life goes on. Things happen. Accidents happen. Like, you needed that skeleton crew there. Mm -hmm. As much as we had to focus on what was going on, like— I mean, exactly. You know what I mean?
2: Case in point, this lady's missing.
1: So the cops get the call on September 12th, and it's Cal Harris being very cooperative. He just wants this solved. Oh, my God, it's the love of his life. Well, because they send
2: cops to his house, and he's like, come in. You can search anywhere. You can look at anything. I'm an open book. Once again, I'm saying, why are you assuming that they're looking at you, Cal? Because he's the husband. Yeah, I guess. You know? I get There's a lot of people acting very defensive right from the jump. That's all I'm saying. But
1: Everyone also is just, like, waiting for Michelle to call or show up. Like, because, of course, you're not thinking something hard. You're just, like, any minute she's yeah. going to show up, and it's going to be the story that maybe we'll laugh about one day. Some and crazy thing. I'm
2: trying to put myself in Cal's shoes because, remember, he's got four kids. Cal said his
3: Aunt Mary was completely focused on his four children, had to leave it to others to search for Michelle.
1: His thing was, okay, it's time for them to go to school. All right, It's now it's time for me to pick them up. I need to be sure that if this is the routine that they... that is normal for them, we're going to keep them in that routine.
2: He's got to keep them in their routine so they don't freak out. I was trying to imagine if Steve went missing and in our neighborhood and you and the police and all of our friends were out looking for Steve, would I be 100% focused on Daisy and not out searching? Uh, Probably. Okay. I think I would be. I don't know. I think. If I, I knew it was like in. If nobody was looking, of course I'd be out there. But if I knew people were. Like, Daisy would be a primary concern. Like, w- right. You know what I mean? But I would also
1: think that it's like. Mike and I'll take Daisy. We'll we'll hang out with her and yeah. you do what you have to do. Yeah. I, I think it's part of that's when the answer that's when the friends and family show up. Your sister Becca would probably yeah. be like, I'll take care of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll worry about yeah, it. Yeah, and I would be I mean, I would also
2: be a wreck. And at no point is Cal a wreck. We will learn that their marriage was not good. They were getting a divorce. We'll get there. And marriage. that he's an asshole. Yes. And and but like but I do think that like I do think that sometimes in these situations when like they were getting divorced anyway, they weren't happy. Yeah. And like the person is missing. And sure. he, the, the, the spouse the other spouse isn't crying right
1: there was love lost there and yes. th- that's okay too, yes right
2: I'm just saying Cal my eyes are I'm looking at you
1: yeah I- I'm not a fan of you it, it,
2: Cal, no matter what by exactly. any I don't
1: like you at all so but we we see like some important information Michelle's van yeah is at the end of their very very long driveway and the keys are still in the ignition and it's yeah. like oh god yeah that's never good no that means like That means something bad happened. I'm sorry. And the
2: driveway's, like, really... You wouldn't walk the driveway. It's, like, a quarter, half a mile, something like that. Well,
1: there are over 200 acres to look through. Like, I cannot stress how much property this is. Yes. And so... Also, the investigators,
2: when they go in to search the house, they do it with cameras.
1: Yeah. I thought... Like, is that normal? Uh... I mean, you always photograph a scene, no? Well,
2: like a video camera. Like, we see, like, they're, like, videoing the house. Great. Even better. I think so, too, but I was just like, wow. Like, everyone's real sus about Cal, you know? Mm -hmm. We learned, by the way, about these 200 acres.
1: That area was homesteaded heavily in the 1800s, so there's a lot of laid-up wells and old foundations and things like that. Didn't find anything. No, we didn't.
2: There were a lot of laid up wells and old foundations. She's saying there's plenty of places on this property to hide a body. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. God. I know.
1: So let's go inside the house, however, yeah. with their cameras and all that stuff. The investigators find evidence in the house. They find blood stains on and around the door that led to the garage. Yep. Also on the kitchen rug. And it's all Michelle's blood. All of it. Yeah. Like, everything changes. Uh, This is, like, that was a big oh shit moment for me.
2: It's, and, like, once again, like, to play devil's advocate, like, I'm really looking at Cal. Why would you be so fucking stupid? Like, if he killed her in the house, it would have had to have been a gory crime scene. Mm -hmm. And he cleans all of it up but leaves the rug
1: you know what I mean? Use the rug, yeah. Or maybe, I don't know how much of it was on the rug. Or how
2: visible it was or on how, the rug. You know,
1: maybe he thought he cleaned it. Yeah, and 100%. Then, but we also don't see, we we don't hear like, and, you know, remnants of bleach on the tile. We don't right. hear that either. I mean,
2: we will learn that in the garage, there is like a three foot by six foot area where blood had been cleaned up. Yeah. So there was, I mean, something fucking happened there.
1: Yeah. And so Sue the cop is here. Yes. She's a cop. Her name is Sue. Sue the cop. (laughs) Um, Just a little insight into how my brain works, everybody. But she actually
2: says, like, there was a lot of blood. And she also says it wasn't just drips of blood.
1: There's a lot of blood in the garage and spread over a wide area. And there's a lot of blood splatter. I mean, over 60 drops of blood that's been not just dripped, but splattered by
2: some force on that throw rug. She says, with some force. So, like, a violent thing happened there. Plus
1: the key still in the car. Yeah. Like, all of this together.
2: But wait a second. That seems to be conflicting to me. So, okay. with the, the, the car being at the opposite end of the driveway, yeah. and the key still in it, is the implication that she got out of the car and somebody snatched her or somebody did something to her? Because that's different than her getting into the house and being bludgeoned by the sink.
1: Yeah. Or she was trying to get away.
2: Yeah, or... And didn't... And they they do come up with an an explanation for this later. We'll get to it. Okay,
1: So let's go through the Calvin and Michelle story.
2: Yeah. It got off to a storybook start.
1: Yeah, Michelle was working for his brother, but Calvin goes, I don't know, it uh, kind of evolved from there. I'm like, riveting, Cal. Well,
2: and they also tell us like how pretty she was.
1: Yeah, she was awesome. She was athletic. She was always having a good time. And (laughs) Keith goes, wasn't a dainty wee thing, as it were, Keith. (laughs) I don't like it. I have notes. I know. Once again, though, we're talking about how much
2: money this guy makes as a car dealer. Are you dealing in Ferraris? Like I don't what. Yeah,
1: because her.
2: Where is your wrong line of business? Bro? I don't know. Like
1: <laughs> all right. So Michelle's dad Gary is like, look, we didn't grow up rich. Michelle didn't grow up rich, but she really was like living the good life with Cal.
2: And there's a lot to like about marrying a rich guy, I guess. Like they they're traveling all over the place. She can have anything she wants. You know, I mean it's it's a nice life.
1: Sure. Yeah. 1991, they get married at this gorgeous lake house. It was like a beautiful day. A really, they say they call it a relaxing day. It was just like like. a really great party on the lake with all their friends and gorgeous scenery.
2: That was the place. So they get married at the lake. They liked it so much they like buy the land and build a house there.
1: Right. There was like a lake house and then the lake house became like, I don't know, the guest's quarters or whatever in their fancy pants house. And they had four kids and like filled this, this big house with their kids. And the kids now are Taylor, he's 21. Kayla is almost 20. Jenna is 18 and Tanner is 16.
2: And like Keith does an interview with them like on the back porch of the house. Just them without without the dad. yeah. Aunt what's-her-name, either. Apologies, Aunt, Aunt Mary. Yeah,
1: I had an Aunt Mary, so when I keep hearing Aunt Mary, I was like, what?
2: Oh, that's so funny. My Aunt
1: Mary would never. <laughs> She's a badass but Italian lady.
2: Like the, These poor fucking kids, you're just going to see. They, they go through it over yeah. and over and over again.
3: And even with that terrible loss, said the kids, they've grown up happy and content for the most part, all thanks to one person. Just tell me about your dad. What kind of guy is he? Funny. Funny? Yeah. <laughs>
0: He's funny, and he's the most caring guy in the world, and he's protective and just loves us so much.
2: They describe him as sweet, goofy, protective, and funny. The thing that, like, makes me really sad here is they seem to have no relationship with their mom's family, uh-huh. which is just, like, that's all they have left of her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is, they like, we we see this a lot. I yeah. can't remember the other episode we covered where this was the thing, but it's like, my God, the kids have no... Rela- like, there's so much hatred between the dad and right. the mom's family and yeah. vice versa.
1: Oh, in Wild Crime.
2: Yes. Where the
1: they were, like, really separating... The kids, yes. the little girl, and from it's like, like
2: the dead mom's family, it's yeah. awful. It's awful.
1: So Cal tells Keith, you know, Michelle was struggling to raise our four kids as a young mom, and he goes, "I totally get it. I understood." And I'm like, "Could you help her?
2: But could you contribute?" Also, can we hear that from one other person? Yeah, because the implication being maybe she ran away. You know what I mean? Right. That she was so unhappy that maybe she just couldn't be a mom anymore. Can we hear from one of Michelle's friends? Yeah. We don't. The only people we hear from from Michelle's side is her dad. Right. And I want one other person to. correct Corroborate that Michelle was having a hard time. One being of a her mom. awesome
1: friends yeah. who was calling. But also, like when I first heard the ages, nine, seven, yes. four, and two, I was like, holy or shit. Or just like, the
2: sheer number of fucking of kids. kids. I struggle being
1: a dad. I've got one. Four kids single digit age. I know. Like it's tough. But that's why I'm just like, hey Cal, right. could you could you contribute? Like, dads don't babysit the kids. They just exactly. like fucking help raise. They, they just raise they them raise as children. like, yeah. a, like a, a part of this family or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he's kind of like, I totally got it. It must have been so hard. And I'm like, Cal, be... Enough, but then we learn Cal quote loves order, and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure this guy was a real fucking cut up at parties. It sounds exactly. like exactly. Well, it also
2: sounds like he married. He was hoping to marry somebody who would keep his house for him. You know what I or, mean?
1: Yeah, like do the mom, the housewife stuff, raise right. all the kids, and do everything. And, and Michelle, he'll
2: just... she like wasn't. No, to be very clear, Michelle loved her fucking kids, and and people say, of course, there's no way she would have left her kids. There's, I like, the, the cop is here to tell us, like, yeah, we knew she never would have left her kids, but she's also not like the orderly. Per- she had her, what they called her
3: she had a room downstairs and she called it the chuck room or if there was going to be a party or a picnic or whatever she'd throw
2: it take it down the chuck room where like she would just like take things and like put it in the chuck just like throw it down the stairs into the yeah, chuck room yeah she'll deal with it later yeah and I think that like Chuck, I think that Cal didn't like that.
1: Right. But if you wanted the four kids, Cal. Right. Sometimes raising four kids, Michelle, also, just get cut her some fucking slack. Give her some space. And like if you're if
2: you're so successful as a car salesman, hire some
1: hire some help to yeah, clean the if house. If you're not gonna do it, right. then make it anyway. He's yeah, an asshole. But I, I, he I also know. had this really hot temper. Yes. And Michelle was scared of him at times. Like she would call her family and she'd be hiding in the closet. I mean, terrified hiding in the closet,
2: we're told that Cal was standing outside the closet with a fucking pump gun?
1: I had to Google that.
2: Is it like a, what is it's it?
1: A, you could like shoot it over and over again. Due to rapid reloading by pump action and spread of shots, it's an ideal weapon to, for counter ambush tactics. Oh my god. But he but he's doing this to scare her and manipulate her. Yes. He's like shooting a gun in the air that's really loud and really like rapid fire to scare her and bully her and intimidate her. That and is, it's abusive.
2: I mean, that is 100% abusive.
1: It's just like, well, no, I didn't hit her. I hit the
2: wall. Abusive. And, like, what aren't the kids telling us? Like, if your wife is hiding in a closet with you standing outside with a gun, what did you do to the fucking kids, Cal? Right.
1: And, you know, Cal denies this. He denies a lot of things. Shut yeah. up, Cal. That's all I have to say.
5: Travel down a
2: Girl, Beam is back. You know I've been screaming about the Beam Dream Powder for forever. It's their healthy hot cocoa for sleep.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say, today our listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious seasonal flavors like cinnamon cacao, sea salt caramel, and white chocolate peppermint. Is it really cacao? Yeah. Okay, great. Better sleep has never tasted better.
2: I got to tell you that sea salt caramel is where it's at. Uh, Yes. I drink it every single night. It comes
1: with a milk frother, which Natalie Girl stole. I said this last time. I love my bean powder, but when they sent me the frother, because they, you, mixes, it, it mixes it all up. It tastes amazing. That white chocolate peppermint, tis the season. Fam,
2: a recent clinical study revealed Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep, including me. When I take this, I go right out, and I don't wake up until the morning.
1: Yeah, but you have a nice sleep, and you don't feel groggy. You don't feel hungover nope. the next day. All you have to do is mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk yep. or whatever you want, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. I am a frother.
2: I mean, I would be a frother, but I'd have to go to Natalie's house.
1: (laughs) Well, Natalie is frothing her night away. She
2: also lives right around the corner. (laughs) Okay, great. Fam, find out why Forbes and New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes like myself (laughs) and business professionals.
1: And us. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a top athlete, fam. (laughs) If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash TCO. The
2: discount is auto-applied at check out, no code necessary. That's shop b e a m. dot com slash tco for up to fifty percent off. Yeah, who doesn't want a delicious hot cocoa right before bed that helps you sleep?
1: I mean, are you kidding? I know, especially this time of year. Let's Z- do it.
2: I'm right, exactly. Good night, everybody. Natalie, I want my frother. <laughs>
1: Now, by 1999, this woman who's raising his four kids, he's not helping in any way that, like, a dad should be or a co-parent should be. By 1999, he's having an affair. Now, Cal, how is that helping your single mother of four, essentially? Exactly. You have time to cheat on her. You have time to help. Right. You have time to be a part of the family. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, stop with the girlfriend or just divorce her. Right. Right.
2: Right. Exactly. Like, uh... And we learn Michelle was devastated but not ready to end the marriage, and they wanted to try to. And Keith says— They did
3: what they could to salvage the marriage. It didn't work. She told her family he cut off her spending money. She took up with a young man in November 2000. A month later, she told Cal she wanted a divorce. Her family said he didn't take it well.
1: Cal cuts her off financially. Which is so...
2: That is also so manipulative. It's abusive. So abusive. It's financial abuse. That's 100%. a real thing. Look it up. Yes.
1: And so, like, she has four kids. Yeah. And she's cut off financially. So by the next year, it's the year 2000. She gets a new boyfriend. Right. But this is also why
2: she has. So remember when she was working at night? She went to work on the evening of September 11th. She's a waitress at a at a at like a restaurant. Yeah. And like she's li- like I don't understand. She's living with her rich husband, raising the kids. He cuts her off financially and
1: part of it is like, oh you're gonna be dating someone else. It's uh-huh. like you cheated on her. Right. Oh my god. So Cal cuts her off financially. Michelle's dating someone else. Michelle files for divorce and Cal, quote, didn't take it well. I'm sure he didn't. She stays in the house because her attorney
2: says that's, like, the best move for her right Right. now. And they say they divide the parenting duties and work on a settlement. This is when Michelle gets her waitressing job. And we learn on the the night that she went missing, September 11, 2001, she finished her shift at around 9 o'clock. She has some drinks with two co-workers. And she drives over to her boyfriend's apartment, leaves at about 11, and that's the last time anyone saw her.
1: Now, here's what they're not saying. What kind of atmosphere was it at the bar on the night of September 11th? Right. Because... I'm sure things stayed open. Like we were saying, the world like went yeah. on in some way. I
2: worked at my bar in New York City on September 11th.
1: Really? Yeah. We Everything were, I know was shut down. We
2: were on the Upper West Side, and it was a restaurant. it was like a restaurant bar, and it was a it was a well known restaurant group. And I remember we spent. I mean, the electricity was out. We spent all that night gathering the bottled water to send down to, to Ground Zero. Yeah, like that's kind of what it was. But like we like we had to. We we were open as a place for people to come. Helen Hunt came and sat at the bar, and she wow. was hysterical. I think she right. lost her brother. Like Jesus. I. Mean, Jesus Christ. That was one of those things. Just people
1: commiserating, exactly, like Just exactly. trying to be together. Yes. Yeah. This- terrifying moment. Which
2: I'm imagining is what the the atmosphere right. was probably like at her bar too. But
1: like for a minute, like I would lo- I would have loved for them to maybe touch on that a little and I don't yeah. need to be re-traumatized by 9-11. I stay off social media on 9-11. I yeah. never need to see that fucking footage ever again. But it would have been like, you know, Michelle, of course she stayed after yeah. because everyone was talking about this tragedy that had happened. But and to make also, sense of it.
2: even separately just from that, one of the, you and I both talk about this all the time, one of the great benefits of having a restaurant job is the camaraderie that you get. So if Michelle has been so alone in her life and miserable course. at home, then, like, of course she's staying after and having drinks with her co-workers. That's right. what you do
1: when you She'd work She'd rather a talk about this tragedy yes. with her co-workers than, like, what what this husband that cut her off and they're not speaking. And exactly. like, like She's going where she can find like warmth. And you're, like,
2: you're living in the house with the person you're divorcing. I can't right. imagine the tension. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she leaves her boyfriend's house at 11. They say that's the last time anyone saw her. Because then I'm like, can we get eyes on the boyfriend? Yeah. Because they say here, the, detect- the detectives tell us, they looked at a lot of people people in the beginning. Who? I want to know who they looked at.
1: We get a lot of, who is this person? I and we never get answers in this episode. But like,
2: really, truly, like the boyfriend was the last person to see her. Isn't the last person to see somebody as like as immediate a suspect 100%. as the spouse? Or the, Absolutely. The, you know? I, you would think. So, but they say like, apparently they rule all these people out and that's when Cal becomes the main focus. And then, of course, the kids tell us. The district attorney
3: even tried to speak to the two eldest children. Didn't accomplish much beyond frightening them, Apparently.
0: I know. I just sat there and cried the whole time. I didn't talk. I wasn't allowed to be in there with Taylor. But How old
2: were you at the time?
0: I was in fourth grade and he was in fifth grade. So, nine and ten.
2: They have to know. Like, did you hear anything? Did yeah. you, was there a fight? Did you see something bad happen? And the kids are, like, totally traumatized by it.
0: Right. And then they're
1: thinking, like, you know, their dad's a suspect. We see this all the time, too. Like, they lost their mother. Yeah. It's very natural for these kids to side with their father because they don't want to lose him either. They
2: absolutely have to. You know? And so, like, even though— And when you're seven years old, you're going to believe anything your dad tells you. Of, of course. course.
1: And even—but I think even now, they need that because uh-huh. Uh-huh. they can't not have it. And, I, I you but, know, I don't good But and also,
2: like, when you learn something when you're seven, it becomes your truth. Of course. So, I don't even think they're telling themselves anything. I think they believe it because they learned to believe it when they were—I mean, seven was the oldest. Like, yeah. two, four, whatever. they. Yeah. Like, it is the the ingrown truth that they've always known. Right. And to your
1: point that we don't see a lot of Michelle's people here, like, the narrative was was constructed by Cal.
2: Yes, 100%. But- because he's the main focus, they say they arrest him in September 2005, four years later. They charge Cal with second-degree murder. Yeah. And they, like, and I'm like, okay, wait a second. Because they're saying, like, the DA interviewed a lot of other people who say Cal is, the kids are saying it wasn't my dad. But a lot of other people are saying Cal's the guy. And I'm like, okay, so you arrest him because a bunch of other people, like, where's the evidence?
1: Right. And the thing is, like, Michelle has disappeared. Yeah. We don't know where she is. Right. There's no body here. Nobody saw what, and, and, what like, happened. Where, where were the four little kids if right. she was the one who took care of them? Like, they weren't home when this happened. And Cal describes the scene of the
2: cops, like, literally kicking in his office door and, like, handcuffing him in front of everybody and dragging him out to like, make as big a spectacle as possible.
3: The DA was going to take the case to trial, even though there was no body, no murder weapon, and even though he himself was by no means convinced he could prevail.
4: I thought that it was maybe a 50-50 Shot at a conviction, I thought that a jury could go either way.
1: I don't even think I'm going to win this thing, which is w- wild.
2: Because don't we hear time and time again that DAs never bring cases that they know that unless they know they're going to win them? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And, like, look, I'm glad. I- I'm glad. Like, I-, I-, I, at the very least, think there's a very good reason to suspect him. Yeah. So I'm glad they're doing it. But, like, it's also, like, maybe just wait then until you have evidence enough to convict him.
1: Right. Because Cal is charged in 2005, but the trial doesn't start until 2007. Uh-huh. And then when the trial starts, like, the big case against Cal is that he loved being in charge. And he was in, con- he was controlling and domineering and overbearing. Yeah. And then we're bringing, you know, Michelle took notes on how she was treated. And to me, that's always a major I- I flag. mean,
2: the Nicole Brown Simpson of I mean, all. when
1: someone is, is writing things down yeah. or telling people, and it's, you it's, know. It's
2: so bad that you have to document it.
1: Right. She she was writing down quotes and things he was saying to her and she got an order of protection against Cal. Yeah. And that was another big, like, wait, she did?
2: Uh, can I just say one more thing too that Cal tells us, like, before we get into all the trial stuff, he's saying, you know, when I got arrested, it really fucking hurt. I, I was in good standing with the community. I was running a successful business. I was donating my time, my money, my resources to good causes in the community. I raised my kids in that community. I don't hear a single word of him saying my kids lost their mother. Uh-huh. I'm where is she? We yeah. don't even know that she's dead. I know we
1: were getting divorced but yeah. oh my God I, I don't, go don't want harm her? to befall her. Like but, none like, of that.
2: I mean it's just like it's all the, the narcissism of it just being about what it makes him look like yeah. to be arrested.
1: I mean it's it's to me it's all these red flags are just like they, they, they're popping up left and right. These people
2: you know. who do these things and again I'm saying allegedly we I don't know but, like, don't have the, even the, the smarts to say, like, let me pretend like I give a shit. Yeah. Let me pretend like I wish they were still out there looking for my still missing right. wife. There's no body. Some, we don't know that she's dead. Some
1: crocodile tears. Yeah, anything. Give me something. But and, can't like, Show
2: me it. a little concern for the kids. Just tell like, me that you know your kids are suffering.
1: You know? And one of the quotes that Michelle wrote down was that...
4: I wouldn't need a gun to kill you. And if I did kill you, they'll never find your body.
3: In the heat of passion, people say terrible things to each other. Doesn't mean they kill them, though.
4: But he went beyond saying terrible things to her. He um, told her that he would put her body in a place where it would never be found.
1: And if I did kill you, no one would find your body. Now, and, like, that's where we are. I'm sorry.
2: When you say something like that, I think you're going to do it. Of- you yeah. know what I mean? When you've thought enough, of, like, that is such an insane thing to say out loud. If you are the kind of person who would articulate something like that, you're like, right. I don't know. It it, it just, it, that to me, like, we all have things that we think when we're having a fight with our person that you don't say. Come
1: on, though. I Nothing know. even close no. to this. Uh,
2: can you imagine me saying to Steve, i will never fight your body.
1: Like, he'd be like, girl, please. <laughs> if I'm dead, who's going to do all the work? Right. <laughs> you know why You make a good point. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> Can <I>? But like... <laughs> And the, the thing that really stuck out, not just that no one would find your body, because that is absolutely terrifying, yeah. but like, I wouldn't need a gun to kill you. Right. And that is really scary because he would use the gun to intimidate her uh-huh. and to be abusive and to scare her and to also, like, that just begs a lot of question marks. Like, what do you mean?
2: Well, because that implies he's already thought about how he would do right. it. Right. And then it's know? making you
1: think, but what is that, what is he going to do? Right. What does that mean? And then you just live in fear and you walk on eggshell. I mean, he was, he's an abuser. No, no question.
2: Was this in her? Her notes, is this how we know that he said this to
1: her? Yeah.
2: Oh my God. Like to write something like that down, how and like fuck that attorney who was like, stay at the house. You, you should stay at the house because you'll get more money in the settlement or whatever. Yeah. You know, or, get out. Or
1: to still like have residency there, but stay with the boyfriend, maybe. Or, but, or we,
2: we do know that people who leave their spouses who might kill them are in the most danger when they leave. Yes. So absolutely. maybe the attorney is saying stay, stay there for,
1: for, for, yeah. Yes. As as long, you know, we'll figure something out yep. and stay at the boyfriend's as much as possible, but still like have your resident, like the mail still goes there. Yes. Let's have it or yes. something. To I don't just know.
2: not send him over the edge. Or
1: something.
5: Travel down.
2: Girl, HelloFresh is back. It gets a hero bell. Yeah. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit fam. We could sit here in silence. You know all about it.
1: Right. But I also want to say the holidays are right around the corner. Yeah. HelloFresh can really take the stress out of dinner. They deliver everything you need to cook these really, really tasty meals. They also have like seasonal uh-huh. holiday dishes. I want to go back to the stress because yeah. I
2: always say when you have HelloFresh in the fridge, you know it's for dinner. You do not need the added stress of the 4.30 p.m. Look, no, we're not no. eating. we got to run to the grocery store. The other thing is you can save all that money and you can use it for holidays. Holiday gifts because you're saving all that money over ordering out or going to the grocery store. Or going to the grocery store. it's more expensive to do that.
1: Yeah, and for Thanksgiving week, or if you're having like a friendsgiving, Uh. they definitely lean into the Thanksgiving stuff. Or if you're going out of town, you can donate your box for Thanksgiving. You can also donate your HelloFresh boxes whenever you want.
2: Can I just say you can choose from over 45 weekly recipes and over 100 curated picks from HelloFresh Market? Yeah.
1: So the market has like all the little add-ons, like the garlic bread or the desserts or the. It's just like the grilled chicken that you can throw on a salad. Sure. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. When you're going through these 45 meals, you can add a protein. You yep. can switch out proteins. It's a
2: ma- HelloFresh change, my they life. They got it all going on. Fam, we love the HelloFresh. You will, too. Go to HelloFresh.com slash TCO free and use code TCO free for free breakfast for life. Yeah. What?
1: Yeah. That means one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active.
2: That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash TCO free with code TCO free. I don't know how this company makes money.
1: I don't understand it, but they're America's number one meal kit for a reason. (laughs) That's right. Free breakfast?
2: I know, the number one meal kit of my heart. It
1: never stops. We love you. We love you.
2: So now we learn about Barb Thayer, the family babysitter. Barb. She, She testified. She was the one who found Michelle's van at the end of the long driveway. Yeah. We are told that she said when
4: she testified. She goes into the house and she yells, is Michelle here? Because her car's at the end of the driveway. And the defendant... Without missing a beat, he just said, we'd better go get the car.
3: According to the babysitter, Cal
4: didn't seem surprised. Doesn't ask her any questions about the keys, like he knows that the keys are in the van.
2: How would you know that the keys are still in? like he just knew that the keys were in the car, and right. so we better go get it. Like
4: because what happens
1: is Barb shows up, she sees the car, yeah, and she goes to the house and she's like, "Cal, is Michelle here? Like, why is her car all the way at the end of the driveway? Right. Like, this looks weird." Yeah, and he's like, "Huh? Well, we better go get the car." Like he just he didn't seem surprised. Right, he was like, "Oh, the like he knew the key." Like, what do you mean we better go get the car? And
2: also, like your missing wife's car just turned up. That's that would be significant if you didn't know that if you didn't know that she was. Where like, she was? Why
1: is it the question? Like her car's here. I haven't seen her. Right,
2: right, right. Exactly. Oh, the like, car. Oh like, my where, god! Is she here or she back? Where like, is she? W- exactly. Not just
1: like. Well, we better get that pesky car from the yep. two mile driveway. Like, oh my god! And then we also have like more people saying that he really didn't seem concerned. His biggest concern was getting Michelle's van cleaned up so he can put it on the lot and sell it. That is, like, like, ah, uh, oh my God, whether my, he
2: did it or not. Like, tell me that you know your wife is, isn't coming back without telling me that your wife isn't right? coming back. And that
1: you're a greedy yeah. asshole. Yeah.
2: And this is where we get like the money talk because the prosecutors are saying that Cal's motive for killing her would have been money and we learn. Cal had learned that Michelle was demanding an appraisal of the car business.
3: Did she intend to take a piece of it in the divorce?
4: All of a sudden, everything is out of his control.
3: So, the argument went, if Michelle disappeared, Cal's problems did too
2: if Michelle disappeared, Cal's problems would disappear too. That like he's getting his finances scrutinized. He might have to sell the house. They're saying the kids would probably go with Michelle. He's a man who's obsessed with control, who's out of control. But if Michelle disappears, he gets all the control back. So he
1: wants his life just the way it is, just without Michelle in it. Exactly. That's what he wants. Exactly. And so here's what the prosecutor says, the guy who thinks he only only has a 50-50 shot at winning this thing. Here's his whole theory. Yeah. He walks us through it. Michelle got home at 11.30 p.m. p.m., parked her car, Went in through the garage door where the body was found. That's when Cal, quote, struck her with something, but we don't know what. Yeah. She fell down on the kitchen rug. Where there was more blood. She was hit again. Cal took her back to the garage, laid her down on the garage floor, tried to clean up, left the car with the keys in the ignition. He planted it in that way so that it would look like someone else abducted her, I guess. Yeah. And then disposed of the body somewhere on the property, perhaps or in the lake or something.
2: Because there's like, there's a seven or eight hour window between like midnight and 8 a.m. when the babysitter right. arrives. So
1: the reason the car doesn't make sense, according to the prosecutor, is because Cal staged it that way.
2: Right. Somebody put it there.
1: Right. And so, like, apparently the blood, we kind of breeze right by this, and I'm like, okay, but apparently the blood evidence matches up with this theory, like the blood they found and how because they
2: Because they're it. saying that, like, the, the blood spatter on the rug in the kitchen. Prosecution witnesses called it medium-velocity spatter
3: that had been left there only recently. I think it could very well have been the most important part of the case as far as placing uh, Michelle... Uh, bleeding in the house uh, with some force having been applied
2: to that blood. It's as yeah. though it came from, like, oh. a vo- medium velocity, like, object. God. But once again, can we get a blood expert to tell us that that's, you know what I mean? I
1: know. Because there's a, like, there's a lot of, like, this is probably what happens. Right, but we are not entirely sure. But just for the sake of argument, yeah. let's just, yeah. like, go that way. <laughs> right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but by June 2007, Cal Harris is found guilty. Nope. No, no, no. Not so fast, everybody. Yeah. This
2: is why. So he is found guilty in that original trial, gets 25 to life.
1: Right. But everyone is in the courtroom for sentencing. Yes. Including brand new character in this whole thing, Kevin Tubbs. Can I just
2: pause here and say, as a also not small person, yeah. this guy's last name being Tubbs could not have been could easy not have, on him. Kids are, not, are the worst. It would have be as though my last name were Fairy. Oh, do, you my, yeah. I, do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> as though my, my name, my full name is Patrick Joseph Queenie girl. Uh-huh. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Sissy Patrick girl. Joseph Gay Boy. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? Exactly. <laughs> Patrick Joseph Gaylord. Gay- there was actually a kid who went to my high school whose last name was Gaylord. Gaylord Falker?
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 there's a there, there's like a whole movie franchise based on that one joke. I know. <laughs> Gaylord Falker. Dude, are you spelling my boxers? <laughs> The fact that she says, go wake up, Denny, and borrow his clothes I, is absurd. I'm sorry.
2: But, like, also, was he smelling his boxers? Do you know what like, I mean? Probably
1: to be like, are yeah, these clean? But when Ben Stiller says, and it's, it's like, seared into my brain. You want me to go upstairs and wake up your brother I've never met and go to ask to borrow some of his clothes? And she gives him this look like, come on. I'm like, she's I wrong. Know. She's wrong.
2: is for Terry Polo. What happened like, to her? Like,
1: God, Terry. So. Anyway, Kevin. Kevin. Tubbs,
2: poor guy. Keith
1: describes him as...
3: A plain-spoken, rough-hewn farm worker back then was hauling hay. And why was he so important? Because after six years during which Tubbs swore he barely registered the fuss over the Harris case, he picked up a paper and saw the story of Cal's conviction
1: keith I know. so
2: <laughs> it's the 1530s keith, in wagawa or russian wherever we are
1: farm worker yeah okay plain spoken anyway kevin i'm like who is kevin why are we here what's the yeah, deal yeah, with kevin? Yeah. Kevin, kevin has
2: got a story to tell
1: well kevin at first is like i fully admit i was not paying attention to this case at all i knew nothing about it
2: because what he's about to tell us is a bombshell and he, it's information that he's known for six and a half years he
1: but he didn't know it And then six years after the conviction, he finally picks up a newspaper and then he suddenly starts to remember in perfect detail something that happened six years ago. Now,
2: here's the thing. In Kevin Tubbs's defense, yeah. he's remembering something that happened the morning after 9 11. Yes. Which is a very important thing to remember, easy to forget that, like, that day, like, I can tell you exactly what I was doing on September 11th. Could I tell you what I was doing on September 11th, 2002? Absolutely not. No. You know, it's a day where the the, the events, like, stay in your mind. I don't remember the 12th, though. I remember the 12th pretty, pretty well. Really, I do.
1: I I remember being like with my roommate in college and watching thing. like I remember sort of being like hunkering down a little bit. Yeah,
2: I remember like what well, anyway. It, but the point is, they're tying his memory to the twelfth and saying it's a significant date. He would remember what he saw. So he's saying it, he's he's out in his car. It's between 5.30 and 6 in the morning. He
1: was hauling a load of hay, as Keith tells us. (laughs) We get it. He was a farmer.
2: Understood. (laughs) He's driving by the Harris property, and he says he sees a blonde woman and a young gentleman in his early 20s standing in front of a black pickup truck. And
3: hardly more than 10 feet away, he said, he looked straight at the young man, saw he was dark-haired, muscular, and visibly angry. He looks at me like this, like... You know, what do you want? And the woman, she was looking down. Just by her face, looked like she was crying. She was either upset or wasted. The woman, he said, he was certain of it, was Michelle Harris.
1: And he says, I know it was Michelle, and according to Kevin, she was... Very drunk.
2: Very drunk, like, looking down. She was either drunk or upset, she, you know, whatever. But he remembers
1: seeing her at 5.30 in the morning. Now, if he's correct... And the guys turned to him and gave and gave Kevin, like, a what the hell do you... want? Like, what are you looking at Yeah, kind of I'm about to
2: kill her. What are you... Why are you bothering like, what, me? Yeah, local. keep driving. Yeah. yeah. And so... If if this guy Kevin Tubbs is correct, then there's no way that Cal could be the killer, right. obviously, right? right? And so all of this is coming to light at Cal's sentencing hearing, where the judge is fucking furious that he's just learning about this witness for the first time. The judge throws out the entire case yep. and says, we need a redo. Yeah. So Cal, who's been sentenced to 25 to life and is never going to see his kids again, gets to go home that day. Yep. Forget it. Forget it. And so it cuts to Michelle's dad, and Michelle's dad is like, "Everybody knows this guy is lying." Why the judge threw out the case? Look,
1: everyone knows this isn't
2: real. And to which I say, "How
1: do you know?" Right? Tell me how you know. Because the, here's the thing: it's like, why wait? It's an odd, kind of an odd story. Why wait six years? Yes. Like, how much credibility can this guy have? Where what he didn't pay attention to the but, case? So like, then I get that.
2: Dateline, give me a counter exam. Tell me why. Right. Because like, my question is, why would this guy make it up? Well, if Michelle's family seems to have answers.
1: Sure. T- I'm. T- Tell me. But on the other hand. Like, like, what evidence is there against Cal? Like, right. what actual hard evidence can I see against Cal? So yes. it's kind of like... And put a pin in
2: this, fam, because we're going to learn down the road, like, some of this evidence is, like, actually backed up.
1: Right. So this well, is, like,
2: not a completely non-credible story.
1: And this is where they tell us about, like, the the motive, supposedly, for Cal was the divorce, right? Like, yeah, if they the get divorced and the money. But, like, they, we're learning that's not really 100% possible either, because Cal...
3: His lawyer told him Michelle couldn't touch the business. And that anyway, before she vanished, Michelle had decided to accept Gal's settlement offer, $740,000.
2: She had indicated to numerous people she was happy with the settlement. She was going to get over $700,000? Right.
1: She was happy to move on and yes. whatever. So that whole argument, it's kind of like there's no evidence against this guy. The whole divorce motive, the whole. Right. Like, I think he was an asshole, but like. We kinda we need more than this.
2: Right. So now we get into the second trial. The second trial is like two years later or whatever. And that's when all of this like evidence about the settlement, she was fine with it. It wasn't about the money. There is no motive for him to have killed her. Right. And then Cal takes the fucking stand. The
1: defense decides that the jurors just simply need to hear from Cal himself.
2: You know what, though? And, like, honestly, like, we hear it all the time from jurors who are, like, who don't do what we do for a living and they're like, why didn't he take the stand? No one ever takes the stand except for Robert Durst and this guy.
1: Right. And here's what Cal says.
3: He admitted to an affair, blamed himself for the end of the marriage, but denied he threatened, hurt, or tried to control Michelle. If anything, he said, Michelle had been living a bit of a wild life, staying out all hours just before she disappeared.
1: Then he victim blames and basically tries to assassinate her character because he's like, look, Michelle was off living this wild life. She, was, she had plenty of money. The nannies were here taking care of the kids, and Michelle was off doing whatever she was doing. You know what? I don't even know what she was doing. I
2: agree that he's totally shitty in Shut this up, moment. Cal. But at the same time, it is fair to point out that she was hanging out with people that people other people didn't know. Mm-hmm. She was hanging out. We're going to learn like, the restaurant that she worked in. A lot of the people who worked there did have criminal records, and the people who, uh, who like it's not an unfair thing for somebody to point out, but for him to sit up on the stand and say it, like it's just so clear. He's victim blaming. He's
1: also like grooming the kids and planting the seeds that she wasn't a good mother and that she was neglecting them. Right. She can right, work right. in a bar where yep. people have criminal records, but that does not equal that she was off doing whatever the fuck she wanted. Yeah. Also, she has to work there, Cal, because you, you, you cut, cut her, her off. off. Right. So, like, I, I, I also can't believe that there wasn't some, like, manipulation with the kids and, and using the 100%. kids as pawns and holding them hostage and not letting her see. Like, Cal, come on.
2: But you know what? N- none of it matters. It doesn't work.
3: The jury deliberated for almost two days and guilty again. Family and friends stepped in and took care of his small kids, who began a weekly ritual visiting dad in prison.
1: The kids are visiting him every week. They tell Keith about, and this is, like, heartbreaking. And I have such mixed feelings about
2: this because it's kind of like, you hear this a lot where, like, the parent goes to prison and the parent says, you know what? Don't make this your life. These kids are coming to see him every single fucking week, like the control freak that he is. And
1: they believe that he didn't do it. Yes. You know? But even still, even if you're
2: wrongfully convicted, would I do this to Daisy? I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, but— It doesn't really, like, the kids are explaining how, like, sad it is. Like, it's really loud and you can't have a conversation. And it must have been so, so hard for them. And they say it is. But, like, yeah, I don't know if it was, like, a hard and fast rule that they had to go... Yeah, I mean, it just,
2: it, it's just very sad.
1: It's very sad. So years and years go by.
2: We jump to October 2012.
1: And now there's like this major, major surprise. And Keith is like, Cal was in the prison yard when this yeah. big bombshell And this came is out.
2: wild because, uh, once again, everybody's saying this never happens. But the New York Court of Appeals overturns his second murder conviction. Yeah, overturns they, it. they
1: cite errors made by the judge. Yeah,
2: and they order a third trial. We're
1: off to trial three, everyone. And, like, Grab in the bags. meantime,
2: he gets to go home. He and goes it's home. years until the, trial starts.
1: And so, like, the kids are making a statement, we just want our dad to be home permanently. The kids
2: are saying that now that they're, like, adults, they want to be involved in the trial, and they want to get it out there that we love him, we believe him, and we want him home.
1: And they're calling for what they're saying is a real investigation. Yeah. They want the public to help. They want Which their dad's name
2: cleared. It's honestly fair. Like, once again, we have no real evidence that he did anything. They organized a tip line. They're saying, like, what if you have any information, we want to know what's going on.
1: Right. And cal's defense is like look these cops had blinders on they never looked at any other suspects they only looked at cal and his attorney is like
3: they've pursued this man for 14 years uh, with scant evidence evidence that really no uh prosecutors should bring a case on and they've pursued him relentlessly without bothering to seriously consider any other suspect said barkett
2: They pursued him relentlessly while refusing to consider other suspects.
1: So, I think he gets a new team of lawyers. Yeah. And they go back, they talk to everyone again, they go through all of the transcripts from all the other trials and all the other hearings.
2: Because they're, they, and they also go back to the original files and they're reading the original witness statements and those witness statements lead them to other witnesses that haven't been interviewed. Yeah. And they say a disturbing picture emerged of Michelle's last days.
1: And this is where the documents are saying the bar clientele apparently wasn't great. There were some criminals or some violent people or people were hitting on her a lot or whatever. And they read a statement from a witness that says they saw Michelle later, much later that night, like after 11 o'clock yeah. when she left the boyfriend. Right.
2: 11 is when she left the boyfriends.
1: And it, she was with a man who wasn't Cal and wasn't her boyfriend. Someone right. that we don't know.
2: But that they do know. Right. And he's described as a steel worker who's like a regular at Michelle's bar.
1: And so what they're saying is Cal's defense is saying that this worker guy is the guy that Kevin Tubbs, the farmer, yes. saw arguing with Michelle.
2: Right. And like they had some history, like how long they'd known each other or been seeing each other. We don't really know. This witness saw them at a dance club that night, the night of September 11th. He said that he was with them for a while, but then left them alone and he went home. So, like, this steel worker was known to have told his friends that he had a sexual relationship with Michelle.
1: We have no information on this guy other than what his defense attorneys are telling us. Well,
2: we do have one piece of information, which is, remember, Kevin Tubbs said that when he saw these two people at 5.30 in the morning, they were standing next to a black truck. And we do know the defense team knows who the steelworker is. Right. He's a natural person. He's been identified. Yes. They just aren't saying his name to us. And the, the defense team is saying. His
3: physical appearance, uh, his facial hair, his height, uh, his age, and the type of vehicle he drove. Tub said the man he saw was standing beside a black truck. The steelworker owned a black truck, same kind.
2: And it's a new model. And it's a Chevy. And you look everything up, and it's all coming together. It's exactly what Kevin Tubbs described that he had seen. Yeah. How would Kevin Tubbs have known that?
1: Yeah. I don't you know? know. It's interesting that he remembers all these details six years later, I know. and that he came out of the woodwork six years later. I don't know. Right. I don't know.
2: Right. Because I want, like, Michelle's family. You're saying everyone knows he's lying. Well, tell us. What do you mean? Are you saying Cal paid him off? Cal right. gave him information. How would Cal know about the steelworker like, in the it black kind
1: truck? Kind of is always interesting when someone just appears out of the clear blue yes. sky all these years later and has like just the perfect amount of information. Yeah. It's just interesting.
2: But to me, it, it can. Also you can look at it the other way and say like well it sounds like a fantastical story except right. that like well we found a guy uh-huh. who actually looks exactly like what cal what, right. what this guy described and had the same truck that there's no way this Tubbs guy would have known. Totally. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah.
1: So now we're doing another trial but we have to go into a different county because everyone knows about Cal.
2: And I gotta say the defense team is saying this is a major win for them. To get a change of venue is kind of a really big deal. Yeah. And like the defense one of the defense teams says
1: you had a relatively small county where Based on the data that we gathered, the polling showed that something like 97%, I believe, of the people in Tioga County knew Cal Harris's name. Which is more people than know the name of the president of the United States. Which is more
2: people apparently than know the name of the president of the United States.
1: I tried to Google that statistic. Did I you? couldn't. <laughs> but that's, talk about a fantastical thing. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. what? Like, who are they polling? Right. Is it 18 and over? <laughs> right. Like, I, that just seems like <laughs> yeah. you don't know the name of, of the, the president. But I,
2: I believe that that's true. I Currently? There, yes. I bet there are plenty of people who are entrenched in their own lives okay. somewhere, struggling to make ends meet, feed their fucking family. Families, sure. they, they, they don't vote because they don't have time and they 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 have too much to deal with. Who, like, might not just readily be able to say, oh, the president is wow. so-and-so. Yeah. But is
1: it like... Ninety six point nine percent of people <laughs> know the president, and ninety seven percent know Cal. Like, what's the discrepancy? He's more
2: famous as the president. that's all I can in say. In that one
1: county, yeah, Cal is big doings, as they say.
2: But they get this change of venue. His daughter's going to testify. They say that the defense goes in strong. And like, where we are, this is the third trial. It's the third trial, but it's also like right up to date. Like, Dateline is there for the trial because Keith is sitting on the back porch with the kids again, yeah. and we still don't know what's going to happen. Right. So like, the kids are just, like, and this is where I'm saying these kids seem so sad. They do.
1: It's a horrifying thing that they were put through. Yes. Many horrifying things. And they
2: still don't know what's going to happen. They're saying these kids have just grown up with uncertainty is the only certainty in these kids' lives. But
1: their certainty is that their dad didn't do it.
2: Their certainty. Their
1: certainty is, right? Yeah. And so, hey, guess what? Trial number three is a mistrial. We're going for trial number four now.
2: We, uh, but the thing is the, like, they were told that the, in the first two trials, the juries returned their verdicts within hours. It was four hours for the first one, nine hours for the second one. This time
3: Four days in jurors told the judge they were deadlocked. He sent them back to try again. Eight days in, still deadlocked. Again, they were instructed to keep trying. Finally, two weeks in, the jurors made it clear they simply could not reach a verdict.
2: After two weeks, the jury's like, we're not going to come to it. decision but I do think that that is an example of like yeah they should be deadlocked you know what I mean like it's there isn't enough for my money there's not enough evidence to take this guy away from his kids or to take you know what I mean Mm -hmm. for like for the rest of their lives
1: right so the episode ends with the lawyers promising a fourth trial yeah yeah I got some updates for everybody. (gasps) You do? I have updates. I have many updates. Oh
2: my God, really?
1: So there was a fourth trial. There was? Cal was acquitted full stop.
2: So he's acquitted for- He walks among us. Oh my God.
1: But he's still being a horrible nightmare. For example, three weeks after his acquittal, he was arrested <gasps> outside the home of Terry Schultz, one of the state police investigators, in his case on stalking charges. What? He videotaped her house, her property, her car, sat outside for an hour, staring and making threats at her son. <gasps> he was charged with fourth-degree stalking, second-degree menacing, and second-degree harassment. He denies the charges, saying this is such a witch hunt because the cops just want to get me because I was acquitted all those times or whatever. Oh, my
2: God. Then
1: he goes, no, 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 I was only in that area because I was buying a drone from someone who was selling it online. Then, like, like, please. (laughs) So he's harassing people who are part of the case. That doesn't look good for him. Just go If you want to go and be free and be happy, go Go live your life. Go be with your kids. Stop stalking people who have nothing to do with you anymore. (laughs) You're done now. The case is over. I couldn't agree more. God. But then he's not over. In (laughs) September of that year, he was found guilty on a harassment charge and was fined a whopping hundred bucks (gasps) and forced to take anger management classes. Why? Why? Because Cal was accused of bullying and threatening a student in his daughter's class because this student mentioned the case. What? And no one's allowed to talk about the case. Oh, what's he going to
2: say to us? Come for me, Cal. Right,
1: come for me. Guess what? It keeps going. (laughs) Later in 2017, a fucking drunk driving hit and run. What? He hit a car, he kept going, and when the cops pulled him over, he was fucking hammered. (gasps) And of course, all of these charges are, I'm just a victim, everyone's out to get me. All of this is just like happening to Cal.
2: Oh my God.
1: And he's also like, Age doesn't matter. Like he went to that cop and like was stalking her and her son, his daughter's classmate. Like this guy sucks.
2: And we still have no idea what happened to Michelle.
1: We don't know what happened to Michelle. And Cal is out in the world being an asshole to fucking every single chance he gets.
2: Oh my god, I hate this guy. I hate him too.
1: <laughs> Come for me, Cal. I dare you. Oh,
2: my God, girl. We did it. We're five. We're halfway through the bonus yes. apps. Mystery
1: at Empire Lake.
2: It's a, I mean, I would really, really love to know what happened to Michelle. I,
1: yeah, I hope we get to the bottom of this one day, honestly. I have, like,
2: the, like the, the thoughts in my head that the kids, like, are walking the property, just being like, I don't know. Should we open that well? Should we? we remember, it was a homestead, and there are wells and foundations all over the right. place. and
1: now it's, like, his property. Now it's trespassing. You know, yes. you can't, it's just, ugh. Oh, my God. Fem- sorry, uh,
2: join us on the Patreon. If you want more of this rage, patreon.com slash obsessed. Yep. 400 ad-free bonus episodes. You get one every week. I can't say it enough. Yeah, every week. You get an extra episode every single week. Goodness. Uh, Ad-free versions of these episodes, after parties where we take your questions. Yeah.
1: What's the next Dateline, girl? The next episode is Queen of the County.
2: What is this? It's
1: about a family ripped apart by their fortune which came from, I don't know how to say it, pecan trees? Pecan trees? Pecan? I don't know how to pronounce it because I think it's pecan but Uh, because like pecan sounds like I'm trying to be fancy. (laughs) Oh, the pecan tree. I think it's pecan can. Wow. Pecan. Pecan. Anyway, but it's like a pecan tree fortune wow. and the family's ripped apart. It's another crazy family. Like all their right. money literally grew on trees. Can you all just grew grew
2: enjoy trees. your money? Do you no. know what I mean? Can no you one. all just enjoy your goddamn money? No.
1: And if you hate someone in your family, just move away from them just and don't answer their away. calls. Just like, honestly. honestly, it's easy. I can teach you how to do it.
2: God, follow us for more hot
1: takes. <laughs> like Yeah, real hot take, right? <laughs>
2: Alright fam, we love you. Alright, we love you. Bye. Bye. It lurks here on this storied family estate,
5: a mystery as tangled and gnarled as the trees that reach for the sky. I think she's dead. Wait, it's me. I can't sleep most of the time. A crime like a storm, everyone could see it coming. Everybody in the town has their suspicions. She was missing the matriarch with a grip on her powerful family's fortune. Did someone have a powerful motive? to do her harm. I saw
4: bruises on Bonnie's arms, like somebody had grabbed her. She looked at him and said, you tried to kill me.
5: Who was behind this? A search in the dark. Right there. It's all right. All right. Whoa, 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 A secret in the family and a jailhouse interview to make your jaw drop.
0: You said you wished you were dead, and then later she became dead.
5: This is a twisted tale deep in the heart of Texas.
3: People who are desperate will do desperate things.
2: I gotta tell you to me that says the system is working because like I don't know even if like how many times do we hear people say we know he did it but we can't prove it you know uh-huh. what I mean yeah I don't think there's enough evidence to prove that he did it yeah I, I wouldn't think say a the lo- system
1: is working I could say like maybe you, you would feel like it worked here yes <laughs> yes, not, like, yes, in, general yes. Over. in
2: general I feel great about this uh, everything so good night everybody thank <laughs> you like,
1: and welcome to the last <laughs> episode of TCO <laughs>
5: We got another day of NBA action, and with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet five dollars get two hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more. Only on FanDuel.